Well, I'm going to submit to you something the Lord has been speaking, speaking to me in this season. And I pray that it will be something that will help you unload and take off unnecessary weights maybe that you picked up. It's important that we remain at rest because rest is the realm of reception. When you leave that place of rest, you no longer have the ability to receive. So that's why a lot of the things happen to us in our lives, it's to try to get us scattered so that we can't find our strength in quietness and trust. You following me? Okay, so is it okay if I talk to you about a little something tonight? Okay, um, while, while you're there at Matthew 18, um, I want to remind you something that the Proverbs say. It's actually spoken by Solomon, and he says, so that your trust will be in the Lord, I have taught you today. So that your trust will be in the Lord, I have taught you today. This shows us the reason for all of teaching is that you would trust the Lord. The essence of teaching is to bring you to greater trust. The more revelation we receive, the more trust should grow. And we should grow by trust to trust to trust, or, or otherwise known, faith to faith to faith. And as we grow in trust, God spreads his rule throughout our being by trust. The more you trust God, the more the kingdom spreads through your life. The less you trust God, the less experience of the kingdom you have spreading through your life. You following me? So, so that your trust will be in the Lord. Solomon says, I have taught you today. And I'm praying that's exactly what would happen to you today. So just put your hand on your heart and do this with me. Just take a deep breath in. Breathe out. Breathe in again. Breathe in. Breathe out. Just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, help me trust you. Show, my, show me in my heart the places that I've grown up. In your precious name. Amen. So I'm going to talk to you about children, the only kind in the kingdom. Children are the only kind in the kingdom. Hannah Whithall Smith, in her classic Christian Secret of a Happy Life, anybody read this book? Christian Secret of a Happy Life by Hannah Whithall Smith. I encourage you to pick it up. It's pretty amazing. But one of the statements in the book is this. The life of faith consists in just this. Being a child in the Father's house. So here's the essence of the entirety of your Christian life and your Christian experience. It should be this, being a child in your father's house. And I think if we can grab a hold of these words that she's saying and realize that that is all that this Christian life consists of, then we're free. Just being a child in your father's house. It's so important. As a matter of fact, let me just uh, call your attention to Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. It says this, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? 
Now, I want to tell you why they asked this question. The chapter before, they just paid taxes to Rome. So Rome comes in and they get what's theirs. You understand? There's a kingdom that comes in and gets their tax. So after paying the tax, the very next statement is this. Who's the greatest in your kingdom? After being around the Roman, natural, fleshly, earthly kingdom, they look at the Christ and say, okay, what about your kingdom? Who's the greatest in your kingdom? Do you understand why they would ask that question coming right off of paying their taxes? Then it says this. And he called to himself and set before them a child. Okay, think about this with me for a minute. They're thinking, who's the greatest in your kingdom? And Jesus calls a child to come to him. This to me is so incredible because Jesus always does something that teaches what he's going to say. His actions are always connected to what he's about to teach. In other words, inside of the thing that he's doing is the teaching that he's going to teach from. Do you understand what I mean? So Jesus says, calls a child to himself. He sets him among them. And he says, truly I say to you, unless you change and become like children, unless you become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So whoever humbles himself like this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus grabs a hold of this question that they throw into the air, who's the greatest, and he cracks it over his knee by showing a little child. Jesus has a whole different understanding of all of life. They're from below, he's from above. That means their thoughts are from below, his thoughts are from above. So they're thinking, they're thinking greatness, and he's thinking children. <laughs> it's so amazing. So their question is from below, his question is from above. You know, this makes me think of something. Maybe what makes one great in heaven makes one insignificant on the earth. And maybe what makes men great on the earth makes them insignificant in heaven. Jesus did once say, what's esteemed in the eyes of men is an abomination to God. So maybe he's so upside down that unless we are converted to seeing things the way he sees them, we don't even know what kind of kingdom we're a part of. Do you understand? This is so interesting to me and this is so applicable to me in my life right now. And I pray that the Lord speak it to you. As well. So, in the very face of their aspirations, their limited understanding of divine things, Jesus calls a child to himself. In the image itself, the child coming to him is an explanation of what greatness is in God's eyes. Okay, let's talk about it for a second. Take notice Jesus calls the child. The child hears Jesus' desire for him to come to him. Then the child gets up and walks over to Jesus. Are you seeing the imagery? The imagery is this. He responds to Jesus' desire to be with him by coming to him. This teaches us something very important, guys. And it is this. That Jesus' chosen illustration to correct and completely expose the innate self-centeredness that is inside of men is come to me. 
come to me. They think grace, greatness, Jesus thinks, come to me. We want to know who's the best. He says, let me tell you, I'm not, you want to know what's, who's the greatest. I'm going to tell you what's the greatest thing. You're on, your eyes are on the wrong thing. Your eyes are on you, and I'm telling you to come to me. Children are different. As we see in Christ's illustration, coming to Jesus is the essence of childlikeness. <laughs> if we say, Lord, make me a child, what we're saying is teach me to come to you, to respond to your desire to be with you. And if I respond to your desire for me to be where you are, then in that, I am childlike. It's interesting, too, that once Jesus perceived that their hearts were looking for a throne, he stopped their whole course with this humble illustration. They were rising, so he brought them low. Maybe they didn't even recognize the child in their midst because he was too small. They were too up. They were, too looking, they were looking up here, and he's down here. So Jesus says, your eyes are too high. Let me show you who's the lowest. <laughs> C.S. Lewis said, Prideful people are always looking up, or sorry, prideful people are always looking down on others so they can't see him who's above. Does that make sense? Okay, I messed it up. But So, um, where I am, there my servant will be also, Jesus says. Do you remember this? Where I am, there my servant will be also. This teaches us something very significant. That Jesus says, where I am, that's presence, there my servant will be also. Which means any service that is not in his presence, he doesn't recognize. My servants are in my presence. So if we go forward and try to serve the Lord apart from his presence, we no longer serve the Lord. Because his service is in his presence. Praise God. So when a child responds to Jesus' desire to be with him, we have the expression of what Jesus means when he demands that the disciples become like children. He desires them to come to him. He desires them to realize that his presence is the highest thing. They're looking to be the highest, and he's telling them, I'm the highest. Do you understand? Yeah. So children, as he shows, Respond to his desire for them to come to him. Now, Mark, Mark is very interesting because he records the same story, but he adds something very specific. It's in Mark chapter 9, verse 38. Jesus calls the child. The child comes to him. But this time, or the, the record of Matthew, is that Jesus holds the child while he speaks to them. So now you have not just the child responding to Jesus' desire for him to be with him, but then coming to Jesus and letting Jesus hold him. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? It's so beautiful because it tells me that maybe we've grown up in this, not letting Jesus hold us. Maybe the refusal to come to Jesus is indicative of the fact that you're no longer childlike. Maybe, maybe we get so independent that we don't even think about letting Jesus hold us. And Jesus is saying, this is what I see to be great when you let me hold you. <laughs> I just think it's so incredible. So maybe who's the greatest is indicative of being distanced from God's presence. Refusing to come to him. Maybe it's a refusal. Maybe who's the greatest in the mind the self-focus is a refusal to let God hold us. 
Because if you know anything about God holding you, you know this. He drains out all your inward poisons. Does he not? Praise God. So this beautiful imagery, I love it. The, the disciples are asking, who's the greatest? And Jesus, wisdom himself, destroys the entire thing by showing them that he's the greatest himself, and you must just come to me. I love this. So dear brothers, sisters that are listening to me, I, I don't know where you're at in your life. I don't know what's going on. But I do know this. By personal experience, our hearts are corrupt, and they are prone to self-risings. And if we're not careful, we can even take the Bible and make it all about us. So it's very important that we realize that childlikeness delivers us from this self-centeredness that says, who's the greatest? Even looking for it. Have you ever heard a toddler, a two-year-old, even concerned about such things? They don't even have the consciousness for that. Praise God for children. And I just have to remind you that when Jesus calls the child, the word that's used for child does not mean eight-year-old. It means a small child. But whatever small, however small the child is, it walked to him. So it has to be right around a toddler. Anybody ever had a toddler? They're incredible. Are they not? Praise God. The human heart is quickly self-centered, but children are not like this. So... Jesus, desire that the human, uh, Jesus desires that the human-natured intent and thought of who's the greatest that flows in all of our blood will be destroyed by this image. So notice the childlikeness Jesus wants to, or the, the actual facet of the child that Jesus wants to draw out is humility. Whoever humbles himself like this child. So Jesus is saying the, the essence of what this child is in coming to me and letting me hold him is the expression of humility. Because humility comes to God. If humility is defined by anything, it is coming to God. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord. In other words, humility comes to God. Praise God. So what does humility look like? It looks like letting Jesus hold you. Andrew Murray said, you're never more humble than when you adore him. Why? Because your eyes are no longer on yourself. See, Jesus doesn't suggest childlikeness as a better way. He actually is saying it's the only way. He says, unless you change and be like this child. So he's saying children are the only kind in the kingdom. The kingdom is a kingdom of children and only children. It's the heart disposition that we're looking at. So converted is very interesting. The word that's, that's used here, it's, uh, it, in the way that it's being used, it's like Jesus is saying we must, we must be removed from our self-centered, self-conscious, self-focused way of life and receive him like a child. Maybe Jesus is referencing something. Did, did you guys know Jesus knew the Old Testament? <laughs> so when Jesus calls a child to him and says, unless you become like this child, maybe he's referencing Psalm 3410 that says, come to me, my children, and I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. Maybe he's actually having that verse in his mind when he does this action to try to jog their memory to this is the only way you can learn the fear of the Lord, by coming to me, which shows me Grown-ups 
have a hard time understanding the fear of God. Because they're too grown up. But the childlike, they learn the fear of the Lord because they come to the one and the only one who can teach it. Come, children, my children, and listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Grown-ups are distant, and they, they have this, in, this inattentiveness. Grown-ups have a self-sufficiency that doesn't look for the fear of the Lord anymore because they've moved away from being children. So in addition to this illustration that Jesus uses to correct the disciples' understanding of God and God's kingdom in the whole way uh, and using a child, there are certain characteristics about a small child that we can draw lessons from. And I want to talk a couple of these through with you. And they're very applicable to my life, and I hope they'll be applicable to yours as well. But this is the exclusive spirituality of the kingdom, the child. Okay? So, number one, children provide nothing for themselves. Let me ask you a question. Who's the most cared for in your house? Is it not the youngest? Who gets the most attention in your house? Is it not the youngest in the house? It is. I want to tell you something. Children provide nothing for themselves, which means if you're childlike, you realize you can't provide joy for yourself, you can't provide peace for yourself, you can't provide guidance for yourself, you can't provide anything for yourself because a child looks to his father for these things. And if you try to provide these things for yourself, you've grown up. And then, then you wonder why you can't experience the realities of the kingdom. You're too big. You can't get through the door. Praise God. The kingdom of God, look at it like this. The kingdom of God is a world that's really small and only little ones can walk in there. <laughs> Praise God. So we must not try to provide anything for ourselves if we're going to be children. We've got to look to our Father to actually be those things for us. Praise God, I feel freedom. I want that in my life, a childlike heart. So it's easy to grow up and become independent Independence means looking for things outside of your father. Huh? Independence means looking for things outside of your father. If you can't pray it open, don't pry it open. <laughs> so Jesus refused. <laughs> Praise God. I'm not here to rebuke anybody. I'm here to just talk to you what's going on in my heart. Okay? And I hope it just takes weights off of you. All I'm here to do, I'm not here with a whip to whip you or a hammer to dash you to pieces. I literally am here to untie the shoulder pads you've been wearing and take them off of you so that you can be free to breathe, trust, and rest in God. Okay? Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. If it's heavy, then you're probably yoked to something in addition to him. I want to show you the things that you're yoked to that are not easy and light, okay? So here's another one. Children trust their fathers. Hannah Whithall Smith writes, famine, war, fire may rage around a child, but because they are under their father's care, they are unconcerned and have perfect rest. The child's chief characteristic is freedom from care. This is the essence of childlikeness. Trust in the one that is loved. Well, recently, we were all in Portland. 
Portland is really bad right now. Okay? Terrible. Pretty much everything's boarded up. There's homeless people everywhere, and there's drugs everywhere. Okay? And it's dangerous, but we're walking, all of us are walking, and William Hen, dear friend of mine, he has his young, small child in a, in a little, uh, what is it called? Stroller. And while he's pushing through, we pass so many things that could have been very dangerous situations. Did he know? No. Did he care? No. Was he afraid? No. He was oblivious to everything around him. All he knew is his father was there. I want to encourage you that it's trust. Trust is the essence of childlikeness. I'll tell you a quick story. I love this story. I use it all the time. There's a story of a man who ha he's on the top of a building, and he ties a rope from one building all the way to the other building. And he gets a crowd, and he goes, I'm going to walk across this rope from building to building. How many believe I can do it? And people are just like, oh, I don't know. So he goes. He goes through. He gets to one side to the other. Everybody claps. He made it. Then he goes, how many believe I can go back? Everybody claps. Yes, I can. So he grabs a wheelbarrow. Then he goes, okay, how many believe I can go over with the wheelbarrow? They're like, oh, I don't know. So he goes through, he goes through again with the wheelbarrow. He gets to the other side. Then he goes, how many believe I can go back with the wheelbarrow? Yeah, we all believe it. Then he goes, okay, somebody come and get in the wheelbarrow. And obviously there, were no, there was no uh, people raising their hands except for a little boy. And he sees a little boy and he goes, you there, you come up here. And you get inside my wheelbarrow and I'll go across. Everybody's like, oh God, what's going on? What's going on? He puts the kid in the wheelbarrow and he goes across. And he gets to the other side. The place erupts and, and, and prays and it's amazing. The boy goes back down amidst all the viewers and one of the viewers looks at the boy and says, I don't understand. Why did you trust yourself to that man? The boy says, well, the man is my father. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you. Children trust their father. As a father lifts a toddler, the little waves will not avail. The toddler laughs, for by the father, he soars above each wave without fail. Have you ever seen a father take a young, really small child and put them in the water in the ocean and the, the waves come and they lift them up and the waves touch their feet and the baby laughs? Have you guys seen this before? I want to tell you right now, that's the kingdom of God. Your father holds you by your hands. And you may see a financial problem. You may see a bunch of bad things coming towards you and you're just like, oh God, I'm going to die. And your father just picks you up and it just tickles your feet. Praise God. This is the kingdom of God. Absolute trust in our Father. If Jesus teaches the importance of such a childlike trust in the Father, then the question then becomes, how, how in the world am I converted in this manner? I'm telling you, it's found inside the statement, who's the greatest? How am I delivered? It's getting your eyes off of you and everything that has to do with you and looking to him. So one of my friends was asked one time, they said, hey, how do I become more childlike? His answer was, look more at the Father. 
If you believe that God sits in the heavens and does whatever he pleases, as the scriptures tell us, if you believe he gathers the snow in storehouses, collects the wind in his fists, that he sends the raindrops by command, that he stops the ocean thus far and no more, if you believe this about God, then you should have no problem saying, I trust my father. And the more you look at the sovereignty and glory of your God, who, oh man, he puts the stars in the heavens and knows their names. He counts their numbers and sets them aflame. I'm telling you, the more you look at the greatness of God, the easier it is to say, that's my father. I trust him. You say, Eric, I think there's waves coming towards me. Well, he'll lift you up and they'll tickle your feet. I promise you. You just got to be a child. So we must come to him. Because he's got to change the way we see everything. Because we're just like the disciples. We think about us and our rank and what we look like. How much am I doing? We need Jesus to turn us around and make us like children. So the more you look at the Father, the more childlike you become. John Wesley wrote, little children are, are lowly at heart. <laughs> Aren't they? They're so humble. They don't even think about what they look like. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever been at a friend's house and a, and a toddler comes walking out there? They just woke up from a nap. Their hair is everywhere. They got diapers on. They're just like. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? They don't stop and put their makeup on. It will always be more important for God to have all of our attention than us knowing what to do. That's the essence of being a child. This is the essence of childlikeness. I trust you. My father is here, and my father is good, and my father is real, and my father is all sovereign and all powerful, and I trust him and give myself over to him in full trust. See, a child lives in recognition of always needing his father. This is beautiful, isn't it? Sometimes we just move towards independence, and we just say we want to move outside of needing God. I tell you, we never graduate from dependency. As a matter of fact, dependency only gets bigger and bigger. We only grow more and more in the same. So maybe these thoughts of who's the greatest, these self-centered thoughts, are temptations to leave the Father's care. Maybe these self-centered thoughts that get inside of our minds of how to, we're going to manipulate and logically get out of the situation ourselves, maybe those are all temptations to get you to leave the childlikeness that provides the Father's care. They're temptations to leave the Father's care. Next time you have a self-centered, worrying thought, remember, that is a temptation to exit the Father's house and refuse it. It's, it's not for us. For they are definitely thoughts contrary to coming to Jesus, right? They're definitely contrary to thoughts of our, uh, the reality of letting Jesus hold you. So children are marked by honesty, are they not? This is, this is number three. Children are honest. <laughs> People have thoughts and stories in their minds right now as I'm, as I'm saying that. They're thinking of a time a child was honest to them. Martha Kilpatrick wrote, There is one human responsibility before God, and it is this, honesty. She says, God cannot meet with a liar. She says, this is why conversion to childlikeness is necessary. It's being childlike. It's just like the matchless Jesus to 
turn everything upside down. Is it, is it not, isn't that just what he's like? He turns everything upside down. He even says this, I praise you, Father, that you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to infants and babes. Jesus just showed us that there is a revelation that comes only to the children that wise people and learned people cannot access. As a matter of fact, the word that Jesus uses for hidden, when he says, I praise you, Father, in other words, he really loves this about God, that he blinds the eyes of the wise to reveal things to kids, to children. Jesus loves this. He goes, I praise you, Father, that you've hidden these things. The word used there for hidden is not just that you can't find it, it's somewhere you can't go. So it's like this. I could say, I'm going to take... I'm going to take your wallet and I'm going to hide it somewhere in the world. You don't know where it is. That's one way of hiding. But this word is different. It's I'm taking your wallet from you and I'm going to hide it somewhere on Mars. You can't go there. So Jesus is saying literally you cannot access the revelations that God has for kids. No matter how wise you are or how learned you are. <laughs> Some people think that experience in and of itself is revelation. No, no, no. Revelation is a gift to children who trust. Praise God. From the mouth of babes, he has established strength. This is incredible. He's so upside down. He's saying, unless you're children, you don't even have strength. Your strength is determined by your childlikeness. You get weaker the older you get. The, the more you grow up, the more grown up you become, the less access you have to the strength that comes from God. But the more childlike you are, the stronger the Holy Ghost is on the inside of you because he has more ground given to him to occupy. Matthew 19, 14, the children come to Jesus. And when they come to Jesus, the disciples get upset. Do you remember this story? The disciples are like, get, him, get the kids out of here. Get the, this is Jesus the Messiah. Get the kids out of here. And Jesus says, Suffer the children to come to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to these. This shows me something. Maybe Jesus is showing us that adults are irritated by childlike people. <laughs> Maybe somebody in your life is so utterly dependent upon Jesus, it irritates you. I'm telling you, you've grown up. And maybe you're so utterly dependent upon Jesus that it irritates everybody around you. Listen, they're grown up. <laughs> I remember hearing a preacher say one time, God only uses children because he cannot trust adults. <laughs> See, adults, they have grown out of dependency and they grow into in independence. They're no longer needy. They're no longer lowly, and many times they're no longer honest. Do you notice that? Seems the older children get, the more that they can twist. But when they're young, they're true. And this is the essence of what God wants from you. They have learned, oh, grown-ups, grown-ups have learned to cover their hearts. And they approach men armed. But we need to learn to approach one another disarmed with uncovered hearts. And this is the essence of, of children. Once I jumped out, this is, this is my fourth point. Once I jumped out and I, my start, <laughs> we, we scare each other in my house, okay? 
my littlest daughter, she was really young at the time, and she was coming around a corner, and I knew she was, so I was, I went like, I was like this, waiting for her to pass by. As soon as she got right by me, I grabbed her shoulders, and I said, give me all your money, <laughs> trying to be a robber. And she turns around, and she goes, Daddy, I don't have any money to give you. <laughs> oh, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Children have nothing in and of themselves. I'm telling you, if you're grown up and the devil comes to you, he has something to take from you. <laughs> oh boy, but if you're a child, he comes to you and you say like Jesus, the devil comes, but he has nothing in me. I don't look, for my, I don't look to myself for anything. I get everything from my father. I have nothing to hold on to. It's all his. As her father, it's my job to tend to her, to protect her. I, I look to her future, um, all her provisions. That's my role as her father. That's the reason why when the devil comes to a child, he's got nothing to take from them because it all belongs to the father. Jesus said something very similar. I told you already, when the devil came to him, he says, the devil comes to me and he has nothing in me. So we don't need to search ourselves for any means necessary for anything at all. We look to the Father. The, the more you search yourself for something, the more emptiness you find. But the more you realize you're empty and look to your Father, the more you receive. It's very important. So Jesus also uses the word Father. Jesus says the Father knows what you need before you ask. Do you notice that? Listen, do you notice he's saying the word Father? He's presupposing them to now understand things as children. In other words, he's teaching us in prayer in and of itself that, are, that a revelation of being heard by God in prayer is connected to childlikeness, my father. Are you seeing it? If your prayers are not being answered, maybe you've grown up. That's all I'm saying. Maybe you've moved past the childlike trust. Listen, I told my daughter when she was really little, maybe four years old, that a hot dog was a rat. She believed me up until last month. She's 15. And she told everybody in, in her class that a hot dog's a rat. And they were like, that is ridiculous. Who told you that? She's like, my dad. Children will believe anything you tell them because it comes from you. The child believes anything the father tells them because the father has such a priority in their life and in their heart. If God tells you he will heal you, you believe God and nobody else. No matter how illogically it looks, no matter how stupid you look to everybody else, you trust your father because of who he is and what he said. Isn't that important? This is the reason why children get their prayers answered because they believe it came from their father. My dad said it. That's the essence of the confidence that you have in prayer because of the one who said it to you. Praise God. But if you've grown up, you, you don't see that reality anymore. You move past it. So uh, Jesus illustrates in Matthew 7, he says, if a child asks his father for a fish, he will not give him a stone. Do you remember? So when Jesus teaches about prayer, his chosen illustration is a child. Why? Because he's trying to show us that the way to approach God is as a toddler. 
That's the key. I remember Daniel Kalinda has seen more dead raisings than anybody I know. He's preached to more people than any 40-year-old of all time. Every 40-year-old that is preaching the gospel right now hasn't seen a smidgen of what Daniel Kalinda has seen, okay? He is a monster in the glory. Heidi Baker comes to him, and she says to him, Daniel, when you pray, don't come to him as a big man. Come to him as a child. And he felt like that was really significant for him. I remember the first time I saw Heidi Baker in person. She laid on the ground, and she said, I'm helpless. I'm helpless. I'm helpless. I'm like, what is she doing? <laughs> She's a child. She says, how can I stand up here and pretend to be something when you became nothing? It's childlikeness. And this is what gets God's attention. When we come to him as a toddler with a baba, a messy shirt with all kinds of stains on it, your hair's everywhere, diapers on, and you have a bobo in your mouth and you just walk up to him. And <laughs> That's what gets God's attention. Now, I say that in contrast to some of us come to God with our scientist coat on. Let's figure out how all this is going to work out. We're gonna, we'll mix this and that. Some of us come to him with our business suit on. Well, Lord, let's make a transaction here. I'll do this and then you do that. Some of us come to, some of us come to him dragging our warrior swords into the closet. All of a sudden, look at all the demons I slayed for you. And some people come in to the prayer closet as professionals. I know how to do this. I teach prayer. Do you understand? Jesus literally sits in the closet and he asks all those guys to leave. And he says, my child's trying to come in. You guys need to go now. He only has one person he's interested in talking to. And it's his kids. See, they're looking for, they're looking for thrones and he's looking for people to sit on his knee. It's a different Christianity. Because people love thrones. And Jesus loves when you sit on his knee. <laughs> Praise God. No agenda but to be with him. It's important to recognize, I believe, in Mark 10, 16, that Jesus calls for the children to come and he touches them and blesses them. To me, that's very significant. Because maybe it's showing me that Jesus touches and blesses children. Maybe his hand passes over the head of the grown-up because they can't sustain the blessing that he wants to give to them because they're too dependent on themselves. You know in Psalm 36, verse 8, it says, the children of men take refuge under the shadow of your wings. In other words, God's wings cover only kids. The children of men take refuge under the shadow of your wings. Grown-ups try to come underneath those wings. God won't let them. This is for the children of men underneath my wings. It's those that will trust him that, that find this. So I don't think it's out of, out of place to conclude that God touches and blesses children based upon that verse. It's also interesting to note that when Jesus multiplied food, it was given to him by a child. This means to me that he increases the things surrendered to him in childlikeness. And it means to me that it, will, it could be teaching us that grown-ups have nothing for God to multiply. Or it could be that adults have too much logic to surrender the little that they do have. 
But the child comes and Jesus turns loaves and fishes into a, a massive miracle. Children get miracles. Praise God. Grown-ups don't get miracles. You understand? So Solomon gives us a really cool definition of childlikeness in 1 Kings 3, 7. He says, I'm like a little boy who doesn't know how to come out or go in. Isn't that interesting? I'm like a little boy who doesn't know how to come out or go in. And remember who was granted wisdom? This guy. God was able to install supernatural wisdom on a foundation that recognizes I don't know how to go out and come in because I'm a child. These are the ones that receive wisdom. Those that are childlike enough, God can give it to them. So childlikeness is a habitual consciousness of our insufficiency. A habitual consciousness of our insufficiency. We must live recognizing that only what God does matters. And not fall into the trap of thinking that we can find some type of significance apart from God. We need to join into what he's painting and try to, instead of painting our own picture and then presenting it to him. Just, just join into his painting. We must live recognizing that only what he does matters. See, logic cannot make it happen. You cannot twist or manipulate things in your own favor. You can only bow low before God with an uncovered heart, not puffed up, and look at God as your father to whom and from whom all things come and go. Does that make sense? So Andrew Murray said this, and this is one of those ones that I would encourage everyone to memorize. I'm almost finished. He said, the true beauty of childlikeness is the absence of self-consciousness. The true beauty of childlikeness is the absence of self-consciousness. To me, that's worth a whole semester in Bible college, that one statement. See, without this childlike heart, men desire to make a name for themselves. They want to make a distinguishing mark from their father. Yeah, that's God, but look at me. Men have a desire to build their own name when they don't want to be a child taking their father's name. Does that make sense to you? See, if the glory of the father absorbs all our names, then the question comes to the prideful, what will happen to my legacy? Forget your legacy. There is one hero in this book. And it's not us. It's Jesus. So who's the greatest causes more division among disciples than anything else? Who's the greatest causes division? Causes division. I'm going to tell you a story. One time I went to pick up my, my youngest daughter when she was in... Um, Pre-K, so they're all super young. I don't know, what's the age, what's the age in pre-K? Four or five, super young. And I got there early, and I'm watching all the kids. So funny, isn't it? So funny just to peer in to a bunch of four- and five-year-olds. And the teacher goes, okay, nobody can go home until we find this last toy. And all the kids go searching. You know, they're like, you know, they're like looking around. It's so funny, see, I'm looking for stuff. And nobody can find it. And then this, this one small little boy he goes down low enough, low enough, and he finds the toy. And when he brings it up to tell everybody that he found the toy, this little girl rips the toy away from him, and she says this, I found it, I found it. So I immediately, I immediately look over at the boy to see what he's going to do. I'm like, what is he going to do? Is he going to, 
Is he going to fight for recognition? Is he going to expose her? Is he going to cower in sadness? What's he going to do? To my surprise, he threw up both hands and he cheered louder than everybody else. And under my breath, I said to God, I said, God, make me that little boy. Make me that little boy. Isn't there a greater objective here than being the one? Isn't there a greater objective here than winning? There's something more important here than being recognized. It's being children. That's what's important. So sometimes we grow out of such a selflessness. Sometimes we don't have the kingdom objective. We've got our individual objective. Could it be that Jesus hearing the disciples' hearts for greatness like Rome caused him to point out the child for this very reason? The child ends all of that stuff. Praise God. When was the last time you saw a child, you know, in the amplified version of the Bible in Matthew 18, it describes children as forgiving. Have you ever had a situation with a person and your toddler knows that person and loves that person, but they don't know that there's a problem between you guys? And that person comes in and you're just like, look at who's here. And the child's like, just runs right over to him. Loves them and just, they have no consciousness of that division thing that you're holding on to. Children are so forgiving. And I think God is pointing this out to us, to be childlike enough. You know, this is just coming to me right now. Our childlikeness determines how we see God. I remember Kalinda, Daniel Kalinda told me this story one time, that he took his daughter, his littlest daughter, to Disney, and there was this picture of, or this a statue actually, of Cinderella that was ca- kind of cast down like this. And Kalinda's looking at it over here, and he's like, why would they put such a downcast, dark, shrouding-looking statue of Cinderella in the park? He goes, I don't understand it. She's like shrouded over, she's done like this. And then his daughter runs over, and she's looking at Cinderella from this side, and she's smiling from ear to ear. And so Dan looks at her, and he says, What in the world is she smiling at? So he goes over there and he goes down to her view and he looks up and Cinderella's got the biggest smile on her face. Which shows me, and he uses the story to say, that there's a perception of God that can only be seen when you're low. Sometimes we think think some things of God, but it's because we're too high. (laughs) We think he's this way, but when you become a child and you're low, you see him rightly. And you can, enjoy, you can enjoy. So who's the greatest in the kingdom is what they're asking. Children receive the kingdom. And this one thing is sure. They don't ever ask that question. Who's the greatest? I thought it was insightful that when I noticed uh, the, the forgiveness was very important. I think maybe that you're here today and you've, you feel like there's somebody that you haven't forgiven. I want to encourage you to join the children and forgive because then you'll see the kingdom and you'll see its glorious king. Praise God. So the kingdom of God, children are, are the only kind in the kingdom. I, you know, it's funny, in Romans 8, verse 16, we cannot separate childlikeness and the spirit because the scripture tells us that you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which you cry, Abba, Father. 
showing you that this is the essence of childlikeness, receiving the Spirit. This is the work of the Spirit. He makes you a child. See, when it says that you receive the Spirit and you have an adoption by which you cry, Abba, Father, it isn't saying that you receive now a new name to call God. It means that you have been, you've had childlikeness imparted to you by the Spirit. And as you yield to the Spirit, the more childlike you become. Because the Spirit does the work of childlikeness in us. See, um, rather than trying to force childlikeness, yielding to the Spirit that enables you to be able to see God as Father will work childlikeness in us. See, 1 John 3.1, we see this wonderful phrase. How great of a love with which God has loved us that we would be called children of God. John loves this phrase, children. How many of you have read 1 John? He likes to say children over and over again. And I believe it has something to do with his understanding of what Jesus told him personally about those who enter the kingdom being children. Jesus, remember, John who writes little children, he's the one who was told directly mouth to ear by the Christ, unless you are converted and become like a child, you will not enter the kingdom. So John is picking up on Jesus' idea of how important it is to become children by using the word children in his letters. And look at some of the things he says with children. He says, my children, abide in him. This just shows me only children can abide. Abiding is childlikeness. And John is showing us this. It's very important. Matthew Henry says, police need social skills. People in government need decision-making power. They need character. Dear God. Warriors <laughs> must have courage, but in the kingdom of God, God is only looking for children. So, Peter, uh, you think about when Jesus is looking at the disciples. Peter was the chief speaker amongst them. He probably thought he'd be like Lord Chancellor or something in the kingdom. And you have Simon and Jude were nearly related to Christ. They probably would have thought that they'd be princes by blood. Or you have Judas who held the money bag. He probably thought himself to be head treasure in the kingdom of God. But then you have Jude who's the first called. It would be easy for him to think that himself was the first place. But God smiles down on, on only those who are low enough to become children. Is this not important? I think it's so important. So... A.W. Tozer writes, and this is where I'm ending. If the, the band could come up, that'd be great. God discovers himself. Listen closely to this. Don't get distracted by these guys. God discovers himself to babes. We must simplify our approach to him. We must strip down to essentials. We must put away all effort to impress and come with the guileless candor of childhood. It's this childlikeness that is so important. There's a wonderful poem that I love so much, and it is this. It is not as the athlete wrestling for the crown, taking heaven by violence of will, but as a child with your father sit down and know the bliss that follows be still. Another poem says, he came his arm around me. I leaned upon his chest. I did not long to feel more strong, so sweet the childlike rest. <laughs> 